On this episode of Resi Week, we talk CD Expo's Launchpad, Cord's Category Cable Demystified, and Air Zone and Lutron. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 389, All the Cats. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Taft Strickland. He is the dude over at Just Add Power. How are you doing, Taft? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Excellent. I'm very happy that you're doing excellent. Then we have... Mr. John Henkel, the Emmy Award winning director of SMB product marketing at Netgear. How are you, sir? I'm equally as excellent, I'd say. Maybe less, a little less excellent, but I'm, I'm doing really good. A little good. less? It, I don't know if anyone can get to Taft's level of excellence. He's up there. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro as we're starting to lead into Cedia Expo. Launchpad is back for Expo 2023 to boost integration channel startups. Uh, if you don't know what Launchpad is, it's a bit of a Shark Tank-like tech starter competition where the winner gets 5K. First-time exhibitors uh, get out there and showcase their their, their stuff to um, a bunch of Cedia uh, judges who, in turn, again, award them as as the winner of that and they get a cool cash prize and the best part is we as attendees get to see hopefully some cool new product taft how important is it and we gosh we talk about this leading up to every trade show but how important is it to get beyond you know the big booths at the front and really explore and see what's out there and you know in this case get out and see the launch pad exhibitors and the new players to the industry. It's interesting. You know, I've been going to CDF for since the nineties um, and um, early nineties. Um, and it's just interesting to me that we now have taken the six foot, you know, folding tables with pipe and drape um, all the way at the back and pulled them forward to showcase them. I think it's a great idea. Um Every show, we always joke like, okay, let's walk to the back and, you know, find the person that invented something or something unique or something different. Because, um, you know, we, we get a little sour walking the show floor and it's kind of the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. Um, but every year there's always somebody at some small booth, you know, and years and years and years ago, Just Had Power was that somebody at a small booth uh, in the back of the convention hall that nobody knew. Um, and I would have loved it if we could have had a, a shark tank space further forward. Um, but, um, I make a, a habit of every show to walk by every single booth because you just never know what you're going to come across, what you're going to see. So I think this is really cool. Yeah. That's, that's some great insight. And it's something that, you know, we've done for years, especially even when we're covering the shows, right. You get out and you see all the ones you expect, but then man, you can find some super cool stuff, uh, that's tucked away somewhere. Um, John, is this a, is this an opportunity to kind of push the industry forward or, or am I making too much of, 
of it. Oh, no, definitely. And I think the same, same as Taft. I've been at those small companies too, uh, millions of years, going to NAB for forever. I'll go back even farther. But, um, and I also, I love walking the show floor for those because you do find those. I think, I think in this case, the added bonus is the marketing money and the exposure and everything else that's, that's going along with this. It is not just, oh, you won an award. And we all know some of those awards we, we pay and we win an award. It's worth it many times, but that's the way it works. When you're a small company, you don't have that budget for sure. And I remember building our own freaking booth and wheeling it in the front door at NAB one year, driving it down from Grass Valley where the company was based, you know, and we had no money to take out all those ads and everything. So now they get that recognition of that they're doing something really cool, plus a way to kind of play with the big boys somewhat. I think that's, that is game changing. Yeah, that's a really good point. So definitely when you, when you go to CD, make sure you not only just checking out the, the launchpad uh, exhibitors, but check out everybody else that's out there hiding, you know, around in, in the little booths and stuff. You'll find some awesome stuff. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. This story comes to us from Residential Systems. Cords demystifies network cable standards in a new article. Excuse me, category, category cables demystified from Cat5e to Cat6. Uh, is uh, again something that Quartz has put together to help integrators figure out uh, and, and truly understand the differences between that. So to access that, you need to go to the Quartz website and you can find that there. Uh, I took a look at it. It's got a ton of really good information that you know a lot of us. I'm going to say we know, but sometimes we forget and we don't always think about it. John, how how much don't we as an industry really know about network cable and, and I'm not trying to like simplify it that much, but I I've walked onto a ton of job sites where they're like, no, 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 just pull cat five. It's fine. I'm like, but is it, do you know what we're pulling for? No, no, cat finds fine. We, we've got it in the truck. It'll be fine. Yeah. No, I think there's some serious misconceptions about cabling and uh, bad habits that have that have been taking place forever. You know, I'm not the technical integrator guy, right? I come mm -hmm. from operating all the equipment and AV side and now marketing side. So I, I can't tell you all those technical off the top of my head. What is the right cable for for a certain megahertz that mm -hmm. needs to pass through? But there are tables in there and there's a really good table in this article, too, that does yeah. cover that. But I think the where the problem comes in is when you talk about existing cabling, the infrastructure is already there and the pain and effort of pulling new cable. Right, it's it's cheaper than it used to be, but still, it's a pain in the butt to pull cable. I know that, so use what's in there. But I think what I learned from this article was that you can use certain cables for certain distances, shorter distances. You can still use twenty foot Cat five cable for some installations, yeah. but you really do got to make sure you respect that because then you're going to start calling Taft and myself and our Pro AV design team saying we got a bunch of dropouts in our AV over IP. What's going on? And we were talking earlier in the show about some other issues, termination of cables, that kind of stuff. It's hard to figure out where the problem is really occurring, but you've got to first have the infrastructure there and that's the cabling. So you got to follow those rules. Yeah, that's a really good point. Taft, and this is going to sound kind of ridiculous as a concept, but I, I think it's accurate. Would more knowledge in our industry about networks, <laughs> lead to more success <laughs> oh boy oh boy all right so i don't know if i could tee it up any better but <laughs> yeah i think i think more knowledge more education i think what they put together 
is amazing. I mean, it's just like, hey, you can do this with this and you need this for this, mm -hmm. right? And we need more of that. Um, and I will tell you that just before Thanksgiving last year, all right, so we're talking eight months ago, I was on a project and somebody said something and a guy said, my cable has plenty of cats. <laughs> and I, I, I looked at him and I said, what? And he's like, I mean, when I bought it, they told me it had plenty of cats. Six of them to be exact. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm like, well, are they terminated right? And he was like, I don't know. We got, you know, we put the hens on them. Like we followed the rules. I said, did you test them? Uh, I was like, well, what, what cable did you use? And then, so I go to get on a ladder and he's like, I don't know. How many cat, like how many cats do you need? And the whole time that I'm reading this article and looking at this chart, all I can think of um, is, you know, this guy who was a contractor who was pretty clean cut looking, you know, just asking how many cats he needed. So you're asking me if the industry could use a little more education, a little more understanding on, you know, bandwidth and networking, <laughs> and cabling. And, and my answer would be, yeah, probably. A little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> this is the problem with, with uh, the, the whole industry changing over to network, I think, more over IP, mm -hmm. right? It was so much easier with a BNC cable, with an HDMI cable was still more problematic at times. But there's just so much more to know now, and it's not easy. And I feel for these people who are trying to install these systems, and they're getting forced into network stuff and cabling and cats. And I can't believe that was a true story. But it's, yeah. it points it out. We need more and more education. You're right. Yeah. Yes. It was a true story, and it was within the last 12 months. That's that's so great. And it was a large commercial project. So. <laughs> well, I think so that's, that's part of it, too, right? People get bumped up along mm -hmm. the way. And they like mm -hmm. take on more and more. So I could do this job. Sure. No problem. And then you realize yeah. it's going to be their last one. I'm going to have some shirts made to say I was the lowest bidder. And then when I run into somebody like that on a project, I'm going to, I got you a free t-shirt. <laughs> Are you going to put your company name on it? No, no. You no, put no, your no, 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 no. I'm going to put your company name on it. Perfect. Do it. No, that'd be fine. Gosh. You know, it, it, it's, it's funny because and this is the story I told you guys ahead of time, and I'll, I'll tell it real quick before we move on. We were working on a project a couple of months ago. Like this is, I think it was April. And we're, we're setting up for a show and we're running an HDMI Ballon over network cable. And our guys ran brand new cable uh, that was, again, put in temporarily for this event. It's 6 p.m. Our video doesn't work. I... I'm talking with the guys. I'm in the, the control booth. They're on the stage. I'm like, did you test everything? Is everything fine? I'm like, yep. I'm like, try this balance. We'll see. Sometimes something goes wrong. We get it. Try another balance. Doesn't work. So I go try them. I don't think to test them. Not the balance, the cable. Cause you know, my guy said it was good. Come back. It's an hour to showtime. I'm on the phone with tech support as people are filing into the venue, <laughs> going through, trying to figure out what's going on. They're, they can hear the background noise. They're asking the situation. I tell them, I'm like, I've you know, the cable's been tested. Everything's good. Uh, we put another cable on it. Still doesn't work. Don't know what's going on. Blah, 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 blah. Long and short after the show, go through trying to, again, troubleshoot this in the, in the, in the interim, 
the manufacturers already sent us a RMA for the two, you know, quote unquote dead units. And I pull my cable tester out of my gear bag, throw it on, go up on stage, plug it in, go. Cool. Somebody did A in the booth and B on the stage. And then I wrote a very long apology email to the manufacturer uh, rep that we were working with and uh, told them that we're dumb, <laughs> which I don't know why I gave Mitchell that uh, soundbite. So, all right, let's hit our last story of the day. Uh, this comes to us from uh, Residential Tech Today. Arizona adds Lutron integration for luxury residential applications. Arizona, uh, who makes obviously intelligent HVAC control solutions, has a new integration with Lutron uh, for their Homeworks platform to, again, uh, have control uh, native to the Lutron app for those air zone systems for inverter, ductless, mini split, multi split, uh, and a couple other methodologies, which is really, really cool to see. Taft, um, this is really cool. It does work with the Lutron Palladium thermostat, which is a beautiful thermostat um, for the for the system. It, is this a bigger deal for Arizona? Is this a bigger deal for Lutron? Or is it just, you know, as we always get excited to see companies coming together? You know, it's cool seeing more companies come together. I think this is a bigger deal for Arizona um, than it really is for Lutron. And I'm happy to see Lutron you know, bringing on another partner, um, you know, outside of their own ecosystem since they build so much stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, and hopefully this, uh, this integration will trickle into the other platforms that Lutron offers. So yeah, that's that, a good point. Tends, that tends to happen with Lutron as they bring in tech, it's at the top and then it, it trickles into uh, other things. So hopefully that's the case. John, is there a, is there a, a point where, sometimes these are too walled off, right? Like I, I love the, the built-in integration. I have Lutron in my house. Uh, we have built-in Lutron, um, HVAC integration with, uh, the, the T-Stat we're using, but there's also not a large number of vendors that work with that. And then on the flip side, when I talk to our HVAC contractors that we work with, the T-Stats that are typically supported they don't like <laughs> at all. They downright hate them. Um, is that a, is that a growing concern? I, I would think so for sure. They said in the article on their own that historically there's been some widespread problems integrating HVAC and other control systems because they just were different. You know, I think commercially, I'm curious on the data on this commercially for office buildings, I'll bet there's a higher level of integration because they've been used to doing that for years. Mm -hmm. But in the home, high-end residences, it's just kind of come around where, oh, I got my water sensor for the basement or I have, of course, doorbells and those things. But that's just kind of coming around, I think, a little more. So I have a mini split in my office right here. We have like 99 degrees out there today. So thankfully, I got it right here. I have four <laughs> of them throughout my house. I'd love to have that central control of it. I don't think these Dakins are capable of it. But I think by... And it works across all different parts of the industry, not just HVAC. Yeah. When you have that silo of, you know, Google only plays with Google devices. Well, that's a problem because the real, real world is people are going to have different manufacturers support it. So make it open. So let me, let me ask you guys this. Is there, is there a point? Because in, in, in our business on the residential side, 
we used to sell a lot of, you know, universal remote controls. We had full systems that, that operated everything. And mm -hmm. as the technology got better and as some of the other manufacturers got less uh, functional APIs and better standalone apps, a lot of our clients kind of slowly migrated away from those universal control systems and said, you know, I don't really care if I can see my ring doorbell in whatever app you're using. I'm just as happy to have it pop up as a notification and click the notification. And I, I think that's one of those issues with HVAC. I love the fact that I can be in my Lutron app and hit it and adjust the T-stat or have the T-stat adjust easily when we hit away or when my kids randomly hit away when we're still in the house. Um, but I also don't necessarily care if I do that or if I just go into, you know, a Nest app and, and adjust it that way. Is that a big concern? Part of the issue is I don't think anybody is going to give you sleeker, cooler, better control than the native app. Yeah. So if your customer never sees the native app for anything, <laughs> until everything's installed and they see this is the platform to do it, um, then there's never there's never the question of why is this kludgy, um, you know. So it's uh, it, it's interesting, but I just feel like the native app is always going to be you know the best. And I was saying years ago, eventually the universal remote control is just going to be the thing that's always in your pocket, which also happens to take photos, video, you know, text, and you can even talk to people on it if people still do that. Um, Why would we do so, that? So, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting, but, you know, and I look at my phone and all of the apps that are on it to control so many things. Um, and then one of them is a remote control app that also controls all these other things. <laughs> <laughs> John, do you think that that's a, a situation where manufacturers, again, it's just easier to spend more money on their own app? right then their own app plus this huge api backend that they then have to manage yeah i guess define easier is part of the question you know i work for a massive company bigger than i've ever worked for before in the past and i think we don't always do the best user interface with the exception of our newer av switches mm -hmm. and they really dug in and did that um so i think i think manufacturers haven't have the pressure to have to provide some interface for sure and many, many of them now are using UX, UI designers to really think that out thoroughly, which is great. And we've made some great changes to some of our smart switches in the interface and make things easier, streamlined, all that kind of stuff. But we still have to have an API, of course. You still need to be able to plug in everything else. So while I agree with what Taff was saying about the manufacturer's app is probably going to be the best, sometimes that can be too, too much, too complex. They want to pack everything in. So I think sometimes a third party can pull out the few controls you use a lot or most and make that a little easier for, for non-techies. We have to forget, you have to remember, we're not the target audience for some of this stuff too. It's people who are not tech oriented. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this up with just a, a quick hit uh, from Residential Systems. Lowell Manufacturing has welcomed a third generation into the family business. Uh, Thomas Lowell has joined the company as a process engineer. Uh, they also celebrated their 75th anniversary last year as a as a family run business. John, 
I, I just honestly think this is cool because, you know, we're, especially on the residential side, we're an industry of, for the most part, family run businesses, right? There's not a ton of huge corporate AV integration firms from the residential side. How cool is it to see a manufacturer like this um, that is, uh, again, family run and, and now have a, a third generation joining the, the team? I think it's very cool for sure. And I think, you know, a couple of things, we've talked about some of this before the show, but what's what just occurred to me is that I think it's cool that the younger generation wants to run the company, right? They want mm -hmm. to be involved. They want to keep that going. So that means that I think dad did a good job of setting the company up and, and yeah, maybe he's hanging around. You know, we, you know, sometimes that happens with owners where they kind of should perhaps retire and let their prodigies take over. I don't know the case. I don't want to offend anybody at Lowell because I don't know anybody, but uh, it sounds like they're all gung ho, which is great. And they want to keep that generation, uh, that keep the company in the family and keep it going, which is a really good thing. Taft, uh, wrap this up for us. How, how hard is it to maintain a family business for 75 years? I mean, um, I have a whole lot of family I don't even talk to. <laughs> right? that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. So how hard is it? I don't know. Go to a family reunion, show up with tons of money and give it to one per or give it to a handful of people and tell them they have to divide it up the way that they think it should be divided. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, 75 years and these guys are, plugging along and bringing in another gen, uh, another generation, I applaud them at whatever, whatever they've done to do this because, you know, business is difficult and then, you know, family business is more difficult and then multi-generational is even more difficult. Um, so I, I think this is really, really, really cool. So, and yeah, I also a... don't take money to family reunions, just so you know. No, don't, no, 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 don't. Smart man. Yes. Don't take money. Don't take your nicest car necessarily. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. Take, take it easy. Take it easy. It's easier. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, John, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Netgear, where can they do that? So the Netgear thing is easy. Netgear.com slash AV. That's your easiest way in. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Strickland, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Just Add Power, where can they do that? Um, JustAddPower.com. And then we're on all the socials um, with uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, we're cool, so we're on Instagram. You know, we're are you, are you on threads yet? Are, are you threading? Uh, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> if we've threaded yet or not. This um, is me just threading the needle on threads as much as yeah. possible for fun. Did you like that? Yeah, I, I did. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that. So you're welcome. But um, no, so that's that's it. And then uh, you know we show up at all the trade shows. So excellent. Yeah, we should. We'll we'll see both of you at at CD Expo. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll excellent. be there this fall. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.